Welcome to episode 200 of the Animation Industry Podcast. I'm actually quite impressed with myself that I've taken this podcast this far. Uh, and also proud of myself because not a lot of podcasts make it to episode 200, and especially in the animation world. And to celebrate, I had new graphics and music made up. So the music you're listening to right now is by a super talented artist named Willem Mando. And the graphics, which you should definitely check out online, are made up by the incredibly talented Luhan Wang, who is a classmate of mine at Sheridan College. So please go check them out and give them some love. And if you want to give me some love, you can check out my Patreon and support me there. And I've included a link in the description of this chat to Luhan, Willem, and my Patreon. So go check all of those out. Today's guest is none other than the incredibly cute, extremely charismatic, and some would say even talented animator, uh, stop motion and 2D animator, Terry Ibell. That's right, me. And uh, I'm having a really good friend of mine host this podcast instead of me so that I can be interviewed. And his name is Sheldon Kaufman. We've known each other for about 15 years. He's an incredible human being. We met back in business school in my business days. And now he actually teaches business at Durham College and at Wilfrid Laurier University. So, uh, you know, I don't feel like I need any other introduction. I feel like I've already given myself too much of an introduction. So let's let's just jump in. Hello, Terry. Hello, Sheldon. Uh, this is a little bit weird because I've known you for, it's kind of scary to say, but for over a decade now. Um, and I know a lot about you. And I think it's time to tell the world all about you. What do you think? Sure. <laughs> I feel like it's more like 15 years or something, no? 1920, and then we're, I'm 34, you're 35. 34, we're the same age. Are we the same age? I don't yeah. know. Okay, I, went, I went to a year of Bible oh. college before Laurier. That's why we weren't in the same year. And how did that turn out for you? Well, here we are in animation. <laughs> <laughs> Not a pastor. I got a recommendation that I should be a pastor after I submitted my thesis work. Thesis work. But, but I mean, a, a big assignment. Is this a, an opportunity to do some sort of like religious? Oh, animation? no. <laughs> Anyways, um, thank you, Terry, for inviting me to do this. I'm really excited. Um, you gave me basically two stipulations. Number one, you wanted this to be real. Yeah. As real as possible. And that is going to be my goal to ask you some interesting questions to get deep down into the real Terry. And number two, you said it's okay if we're vulnerable. So you know what? Get the tears going. Cause yeah. uh, let's see the real Terry. Okay. Let's How make me, let's make me cry in 24 frames per second animation. <laughs> I don't know what that means because I'm not an animator. Um, but you know, sure. 26 frames might be better. I, I don't know. It sounds bigger. Isn't bigger always better. I, I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, Terry, um, one of the things before we get jump into this is I've been watching you from afar and from close for years now. Wow. Uh, and you know, I, that's creepy, but you know, I adore you. You know, I respect you. You know, I think like the world of you, um, but the truth is, I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this podcast, you know, maybe know the Terry the animator, maybe know Terry the fun, happy-go-lucky guy, but they don't maybe really know who Terry is. Uh -oh. <laughs> um, First, you so, have me blushing. Now you have me worried. Okay. Well, yeah, we're about to. If, if you did, you murder somebody. 
True or false? <laughs> Not yeah. yet in my Not life. <laughs> it might be me after this interview. So um, I want to really start from the beginning because I don't actually know much about this. I know a lot of creative people, uh, as you are, usually start off being creative as kids. Were you yeah. creative? What was Terry the seven-year-old? What was Terry the 10-year-old? Oh my goodness, playing with Lego constantly at home. When I wasn't at home, uh, going to the river and like catching animals and bringing them home and fishing and being outside a lot and also making tons and tons of crafts, like paper macheing all of my assignments all through school. Like I remember like grade seven, we had to like make a French presentation about a product we created. And I decided to like paper mache the product and like a whole line of product it was like like i don't know why but always drawing always creative always making crafts were, were you the odd one like 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 i remember in elementary school all the boys we would all be playing sports i would play it because we had nothing else to do but yeah were, were, were you did you play soccer were you yeah, playing i played basketball? soccer every recess i mean i was also kind of a loner i didn't have that many friends so i played soccer when i could but otherwise i was just sticking to myself what was life like at home? Like you come from southwestern Ontario, from a relatively small town, religious family. What well, what was that life like? Because the truth is, the Terry who exists today, I don't know how close he is to that little boy. Oh wow, yeah, that's a that's a deep question. Um, you know, you grow up as a kid, and everything's like you grow up in a bubble, and the world's happy, and everything's great. But yeah, I did grow up in a pretty conservative religious household which i don't connect with anymore so that kind of sheltered me and kept me uh sheltered me from a lot of reality i guess you could say and it's also why i didn't connect with a lot of other kids growing up um so yeah i spent a lot of time in church tuesday evening friday evening sunday all day blah 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 um yeah but i'd say because of that, I ended up spending a lot of time by myself in my bedroom or the basement, just like creating crafts. Cause like, you know, a, a lot of things were off limits, like hanging out with people who weren't of the same religion, for instance, so like neighborhood kids and whatnot. So yeah, I spent a lot of time just entertaining myself, coming up with little stories, characters, etc., animations. Yeah. You said you were lonely. Were you bored? Because it sounds like you weren't. It sounds like you had a lot to do. No, I was constantly entertaining myself. <laughs> I I don't I wouldn't say I was lonely. I was like, you know, just I had video games. Uh, but like once I discovered animation in grade, I think like seven or eight, it's all I wanted to do. Cause it was just like it was like an amalgamation of like craft time, playtime story time me expressing myself so yeah how'd you discover it oh gosh uh i mean there's many points you know you have a flip book and you make in math class because it's boring but i remember i think my first exposure to actual animation was corel draw this old program where you could like draw a frame it wasn't for animation for frame by frame animation i think it was more like a photoshop basics i haven't looked into it in years but uh my brother and i we like discovered you could make little animations so we'd like draw little animations he made like this squirrel in a tree and i made like this man jumping tried to do a walk cycle i must have been like mm, 11 maybe 12 and uh that's kind of how i discovered animation and i just had so much 
excitement for the anticipation of how it would look when I clicked play. When you draw the individual frames, you can't really tell what it's going to look like till the end. Mm. So that's kind of how I discovered it. And I just wanted to do it more and became obsessed, I guess. What, what was that feeling you got? when I when I discovered it it was just so exciting that I could like make something move and like I could draw my own characters and like I remember like I loved Sonic the Hedgehog and like um uh like on Sega Genesis and Super Mario Brothers 3 on Nintendo and I would just like I think my brother would too we just like draw our own levels like just get a piece of paper and like sketch out what the level's gonna be like where the bad guys are things you could jump on stuff like that and then when I started animating things, it was like I could bring my own world to life. And it was like super fun and just getting like lost in my own imagination, I guess, which still is how I feel now. Like, you know, you you hyper focus on a world you're creating and you're making it very slowly and just imagining really hard what it's like. It's great. It's like hallucin. It's like drugs. Hmm. <laughs> so you do drugs. You did yeah. drugs as an 11. I do drugs as a living. <laughs> 24 <laughs> frames per second drugs. Okay, but but, but that's kind of crazy because there you are, you get this this life high from doing animation. And what do you do? You go to Bible school after after high school. <laughs> and then what do you do after that? You go to business school. What the heck? Yeah. Well, like, okay, so, you know, animation gave me a lot of excitement, but like, I also loved playing video games and like other things too, like, and like watching movies. It wasn't like the only thing. Um, but it, it just felt more of a sense of purpose for me, I guess, when I was making something and I guess, you know, kind of being a loner and not connecting with people. And then suddenly you make something and everybody's like, well, what's that? And then suddenly you have something to connect over. It was really great. I remember in high school, I just made a film on my own. Uh, it was like 10 minutes long, all in stop motion. And I remember being like so shy and like showing my like film teacher and he was like, what the heck? And then we like entered it in all these competitions, won the local competition, got my name out there. Some stop motion innovator from Toronto invited me to come see his workshop, like tour to studio in Toronto. Was, like it was just crazy. You know, I was just spent the summer making this film by myself for, for the purpose of at my own entertainment. And then I had something to connect with people. Um, <laughs> But I don't get it. Like, like the world was telling you, the universe, if you want to call it that, was telling you you're an animator and you go to Bible school. And then when you realize you don't want to do that, what do you do? Well, you, go to, you go to get a business. What the Why weren't you listening okay, to okay, okay. the world? The Bible college thing was a requirement for my parents. I had no say in that, basically. I always knew as soon as I finished high school, I have to do a year of Bible college to get like a religious grounding. Um, so I was actually very upset about going to Bible college. I wanted to go to business school immediately. I want, I got accepted into Laurier and Guelph and somewhere else. Um, and I didn't want to go to Bible college, but I had to just cause you know, you have to, if your parents want to, to at that age, you're 18 years old. Um, so, you know, you know that's not the reality of most people's lives. Correct. That's, that's your reality, right? That's my reality. It was my reality. Yeah. And like, you know, I made the best of it. I joined the volleyball team. I like made friends there, joined community group, whatever. It was it was a good time. Um, I still have to like keep up my grades to get into business school. But okay, so stop motion. I remember specifically like going through the yellow pages in high school and like career class. And there was nothing like zero opportunities. I remember like 
emailing a couple studios in Toronto um, and like in Kitchener, Waterloo, some agencies. And there was like no opportunities. At the same time, my brother who had picked up CG animation and was like superstar, like got a Wikipedia article about him because he was like, we were, he was like super young and he like won this big thing. Uh, and then he was getting like offers from around the world. He was like in high school because he was super good at it. He's a CG animator by trade. Um, he runs his own software business now. Uh, and so he was getting like crazy amount of job offers and attention and like online and like, cause it was just picking up and there was like nothing for me. It was like, nobody's doing stop motion right now. Claymation's not a thing anymore. Like there was, there's like a big gap in years of stop motion work specifically when I would have needed or wanted to find a career in it. So part of me was like, all right, I need a stable career. I need something that is going to potentially um, help me build my life independently just because of, you know, family situation, the religious thing. I wanted to kind of leave that. And so I knew that I would need something that could help me be independent. And business seemed like a good, solid grounding where I could make a good income and like, you know, have some ego and so yeah i went to business school after that and pursued marketing so so i don't want to gloss over that and uh, maybe this is too personal but i'll ask it anyways when you said you didn't want to go the bible route yeah that that wasn't just you saying i'm going to become an accountant or a marketer that was actually you saying goodbye to your family to some extent um i i mean you know uh, uh looking back maybe it wasn't at the time you know it's you know I feel like there were a lot of things that I was pursuing that I knew wouldn't lead to rely relying on my like family I guess I didn't have the best relationship uh with my father um and so looking back I guess if you were to like be poignant and clear about it yes but at the time you're I wasn't clear about any decisions I was making, I guess. I just felt compelled to go to business school because of what I mentioned. It wasn't like, I'm leaving this situation. This is my escape. Basically, you know, by the end, when I got a job in Toronto, which was a different city than Kitchener-Waterloo, I still wasn't like, bye forever. But then some things happened that basically ended that way anyways. So, yeah, I don't know. It's I'm much more clear about the decisions I'm making now at this point in my life. Whereas like looking back, it was more like just general feelings of what I should go towards and kind of pursuing that and not, and just kind of putting all into that without really understanding why. And it led to a good place for me anyways. What was business school like? Because as somebody who sounds as creative <laughs> as you growing up, like to me, I listen, I went to business school too. But if I and I was a creative kid growing up too, like parts of it were hell to like sit and do math. And, and oh my goodness, calculus, economics, accounting does not mess with me. Mesh with me at all. Um, it was tough. First and second, and a lot of third year were really really tough. I remember super being so stressed all the time. Exams were so stressful, constantly studying and never really excelling. Like. I remember like studying for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours for calculus and like doing all the extra work, going to all the extra, do the TA, all the like studying with people and like barely passing, like maybe 60% I got at the end. And I, I like, I put so much work into it. 
So it wasn't great, um, but I did enjoy marketing because you can be creative and that's how I always knew I wanted to end up in market in, in business and marketing. So marketing classes ended up being super easy for me. I remember like I got top grades in every marketing class I took. And I remember I was offended. I got an A minus in something. I was like, really? Excuse me? So by fourth year, when you can choose all of your electives and like core studies, I guess, I just chose everything marketing and got amazing marks and ended up on the Dean's Honor role for business. So that was surprising and great. When you were at Laurier, were you, was was anything creative, like was your creative career done? Were you going to be a marketer and that was your goal forever? Or in the back of your mind, you still had these dreams? No, I I basically told myself when I went to Laurier, I, I like, because I had done the research, I talked to the studios, they're like, we don't have anything. I literally put up like this big mental wall in front of like stop motion. I was also like animating a lot in my spare time. Like even in Bible college, I come home and animate something every single night. I made something like 60 short clay animated films. I don't know what happened to a lot of them, but basically every night I was animating. Um, but once I went to business school, I kind of put up this big mental wall and said, there's no opportunity for me in this. This is kind of like this thing I used to do and enjoy, and I'm never going to pursue this again. There's no chance. It doesn't lead to anything positive or productive for me, so I'm not going to do it. Um, so yeah, I kind of killed that part of me and wouldn't even allow myself to uh, open it up or even attempt to animate anything. I just, I was like, my brother does this. He's great. CG works for him. I can't do CG. It's not my thing. It's too mathematical. So all this other stuff that I do, it's just not, it's not happening. And so it sounds like you, you made a very, very conscious choice to go down the practical route. Yeah. However, you were still going home and you were animating. So it, it, it sounds a little bit like your heart was saying, go, 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 go. But your brain was saying, I'm going to go make money. I'm going to get a job. I'm going to be stable. I'm going to support myself. I'm going to maybe have yeah. a family. Like, like, it might like there. It seems like there's this weird fight going on inside. It oh, must have sure. done something to you, to your heart, to your soul. Well, oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I have two comments there. One is, uh, I was always creating artistic projects that weren't animation. I was like painting this giant, like six foot by four foot painting in my living room. I was making this like clay sculpture. I wrote a fantasy novel, which took me years. Like tons of stuff. Cause I just couldn't not create or do something artistic it, but all the things I was doing just never felt tr true. They felt like they were close to the thing I wanted to do, but they were just a nice outlet. But the second thing is like, you know, uh, like pe people and myself are not just a one track mind. You're very complex. And I didn't have a lot of my needs filled when it came to stability and independence. And so, you know, looking back, um, pursuing business allowed me to really build a grounding for myself, really figure out what I wanted to do, who I was, and help me feel really stable and, um, you know, also learn a lot about business and, and, and how the business world works, et cetera. What did you learn? Like, well, what, what did you actually, so you spent four years. That's, that's not like you're, you're 34 years old, 35 years old um, this year, like four years out of that amount of time is a significant amount of your life. Yeah. Like, what do you get out of business school? Oh, gosh. I mean, you gain uh, a, 
a lot. It's a lot of soft skills that you wouldn't otherwise, you have, you gain responsibility, you gain really good habits on how to, you know, organize yourself, you gain presentation skills, you learn teamworking skills, working with others, and you learn the basics of accounting and how businesses work, profit, loss, revenue, you know, marketing a product, creating a product that people want, value, creating value, uh, you know, managing money, um, and kind of speaking how because the world work runs basically on businesses and and you get a basic understanding of how companies operate what they're looking for uh and how to thrive and in that environment so you gain all those things a lot of course there's a lot of bs that comes with any degree that you have to pull through but you know just getting that degree and pulling myself through and also the internships like i had three internships that gave me first of all they financed my entire school because i didn't I just paid for school myself and I got out debt free at the end because of the internships, which was amazing. Um, and then they gave me real world experience and connections, which, you know, led to getting my first business job. So more importantly, is it pronounced internships or internships? I think it's internship. Yeah. So you wrong. You wrong. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I know there's a difference. People say I say the word bagel wrong. So you that... say every yes. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you mess with my bagels. Don't oh, no. mess with my bagels. So there you are. You just graduated Laurier. Um, congratulations, Terry BBA. Nice three letters. Um, and you're gonna land the job. And you know, you spend a few years at Jameson, um, yeah. and you do some interesting stuff there, and then you spend a few years at Wild Ap Apricot. Yeah. Um, what is going on in Terry's life professionally? And what is going on in Terry's life personally? I'll say as somebody who was watching you from afar, it was clear that you were doing well on a professional front. You were growing, you were, you know, getting raises, you were getting promotions, like good things were happening. But what was yeah. also clear to me was that something was missing. You were always, you were writing your novel. You were you were painting. You had this big, I don't know, moose head or something on your wall. Yeah. You, oh right. Like made out of paper mache. <laughs> like there is always stuff going on. And it was this nonstop, like creative vomit. Yeah. What the people... hell was going on with Terry? I mean, I didn't even know, you know, it's, it's tough because when you're in it, you don't really know you're in it until afterwards you look back and you're like, Oh, well duh, everything's so clear and obvious. Yep. Um, yeah, you know, I would make homemade cards for people's birthdays or whatever, and everybody be like, "Oh my god, you should sell these!" And be like, "Why? Nobody like it, it's it's a stupid little drawing." But you know, every time I do something creative, people would be like, "Why aren't you doing that?" And I'd be like, "Well, because there's no there's no value. I didn't think there was any value in any of the artistic things that I was doing." And even at the time, I remember people would say that to me all the time for because I was just creating stuff all the time. You know, somebody's birthday, I make them something. Blah blah blah. Um, but also every time somebody said that I would completely discount it and be like, they're just saying that because they're trying to be nice. They don't actually like the thing that I'm doing. They're just, they're just being nice because they like me and they're my friend. That's how I always approach it. Even like family members, uh, et cetera. I'd be like, oh my gosh, it's so cute. I'd be like, yeah, you're saying that because you're friends or your family with me basically. So I never considered anything that I did had value because of that big wall that I built up. And I, I always like, I I specifically knew in the mo in all that time that I had built that wall and I didn't ever want to approach that again. 
So yeah, uh, I was thriving in my business career. I, I mean, like I wasn't super successful, but I was like doing well. And, you know, um, you became an SEO expert <laughs> before, before people knew what SEO even was. That's fair. Like, like, like that was not, that's not a joke. Like you are highly sought out in the city. Like you're, you're an expert, Terry. Well, thank you. Um, yeah. So, but uh, like a good, like something about me is when I'm learning something, I like, I like go to town, you know, I, I learn like crazy until, and then if I feel like I haven't learned anything, I'm not learning, then I just, I switch to something else completely. So yeah, I, I picked SEO up and I was, I was like connecting with big companies around America and Canada and, and talking with them on strategies and learning and taking courses and going to meetups and interviewing people. Like I was, yeah, you know, I was, trying out all the strategies and I was using the software company I was working for as like a testing ground for what would work or not and figuring out what did work and what didn't work and then implementing those things and then teaching them to other people like so yeah and then when I reached a point where I was like you know I I don't I've I've learned a lot and I can see where this career is going and I remember I got asked to speak at the national nurses conference in the states and they offered to like fly me down and I remember in I was already speaking at a conference that my company put on and I did a presentation and then afterwards somebody came to me and was like can you do this presentation for the National Nurses Association and I remember in that moment I just I had a feeling I was like I don't want this I don't want this path I don't want to do the same presentation again for another like I don't know it just felt disconnected if that makes sense well somebody who's creative and wants to constantly create new things repeating what they just did is probably not the most exciting thing fair that makes sense <laughs> so, so that does make sense to me um yeah so something else happened in your early 20s that i'm going to go to I all don't right know if you want to but sure i feel like i know you're gonna ask you me out. yeah you came out in your early 20s yeah no, it's 25 um, was, that, was that a big was that a big moment for you yeah it was uh it was very scary and, uh, you know, my whole professional and personal journey has just been trying to figure out who I am and, and do that thing. So, you know, we're talking about animation and it took me a while to figure that out and do that thing, but it's also highly tied to who I am as a person. And I don't think I could have ever pursued animation if I had not come out beforehand, because, you know, you have a lot of mental, I had a lot of mental blockages about who I was, how the world worked what types of things I could and could not do, you know, in the closet, how to approach, you know, conversations with an average person, uh, worries you have about what people think about you. And I can't imagine being in the closet and then also pursuing animation where you're constantly being judged for the art you produce. <laughs> if I didn't even feel comfortable with who I was overall as a person. So yeah, I came out when I was 25. There were, there were years spent figuring myself out and, you know, coming out of a highly religious um, uh, environment uh, where you don't have any support. In fact, you have the opposite of support for if you are uh, LGBTQ plus um, person. So that was, I had a lot to unpack there. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm getting the sense that at some point, like, like to me, that's, that was really pivotal um, watching you. Uh, I keep on saying watching. Sheldon just watching me from the window, just no, but I look over really, and he's, he's creeping there. <laughs> it was a really pivotal thing because 
it felt to me like you were almost giving yourself permission to live. And it's not like you weren't living before. You you had a you know you had a good life. You were you were working. You were accomplishing things, but that moment felt to me like this really big demarcation between holy crap, I actually do have the balls to do whatever the fuck I want to do. Yeah. Versus before, I'm a little scared. And and, and to me that that was I, I don't know comment on that because to me that uh, was a pivotal moment. I'm not sure if you think that or if you know that or. What, what, what do you think? Totally. I think you hit it on the head. You know, I have nothing uh, against religion or or if you follow a religion. But from my experience, you know, I grew up uh, very, with the world very black and white, I would say very conservatively. Um, and when you grow up like that, you grow up kind of uh, living within a set of rules that you didn't decide and don't always make sense for your situation. And so, yeah, you suddenly when I, uh, you know, coming out of religion and then a couple of years later coming out myself was kind of, you know, pivotal in me saying like, oh, I can choose my own destiny now. I'm not tied to, uh, you know, the set of rules that are dictated by the religion that I follow or the set of rules that society fits me into um, because of my sexuality. So I would say like I said before, even becoming an animator was a very slow journey and process of figuring out who I am and how I can do the things I want to do in this world. And so, yeah, here we are. So so, so you gave your permission, you gave yourself permission to come out, um, you know, explore what it's like to be with men romantically, physically, et cetera, emotionally. But, you know, I, to me, what I also started to see is, you know, you seem to start reflecting on, okay, just like I don't want to go do that presentation to the nurses, maybe that's a sign that maybe I should give, be giving myself permission to do something else. Totally. And, and somehow you went from that moment to, I'm going to quit my job and <laughs> I'm going to school with a bunch of 18-year-olds. How the heck do you do that? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I already feel myself getting emotional. Because, and I don't, it's because, like, you know... I, I like to reflect and I'm a very reflective person because of, you know, I've had these stages in my life where I thought the world worked a certain way. And I thought I had learned everything within this space that I was given and then realizing that you don't know what you don't know until you, till you know it. And like, you know, in the scene where Dorothy goes to the wizard of Oz or um, goes to Oz and it's color. And that's, that's how it felt when I, you know, came out of religion and that's how it felt when I, came out as a person and also as an animation, you know, very impactful, pivotal times in my life where the world just felt uh, totally open and exciting and new and I could choose anything. So uh, I forget what you asked, but oh, how did I go to quitting my job? <laughs> because one of the things I also like about this is that you realize that you need to make a change. Yeah. It was clear, but you didn't just make a change. You made sure that you were set up financially, that you, you would invest yourself. So talk a little bit about that. Cause, cause the truth is it's kind of hard for somebody who has, a, who has, you know, 
bi-weekly pay coming in and has yeah. a, a an apartment in the middle of the city of Toronto, which is a lot of money. Like it's hard to make that decision to go sit in a, in a classroom with 18 year old kids again, when you're not there anymore, emotionally, <laughs> mentally, financially, like, like that's totally. hard. So what did yeah. you do? Well, I mean, I feel very fortunate that I was in a situation where I could do that. You know, I didn't have any huge commitments. I didn't have a house to make down payment on. I didn't have kids. You know, I have a dog. And that's that was the biggest and hardest thing to deal with. Uh, but it's got a babysitter. So, um, you know, having a business career super, super helped me. And like looking back, I didn't realize that it, maybe I was pushing. There was something subliminal and unconscious in me pushing me to do this so that I could set myself up to take this career jump. That's kind of what happened. You know, I was in a situation where I was okay financially. I could take four years off of work. I could go to school, but also I didn't want to go to school at all. So um, I, and it was a very slow progress thing. You know, I, one of my creative outlets was creating a watercolor comic every day for a whole year in the mornings and evenings between work. And through that, just, you know, my 300 followers on Instagram, I started chatting with people on LinkedIn and I ended up connecting with some random person who agreed to let me tour their studio in Toronto. And I took, they like got their HR to approve it. And I just me, a random person coming. And I took that opportunity to interview absolutely everybody there. Cause I couldn't even believe there was an animation studio in Toronto that had like a hundred employees. It was crazy to me. And they were all like, Oh you sh yeah, if you want to do this, go to school. And I was like, I don't want to go to school. That's so stupid. But enough people, I was like researching everything not to go to school. Um, and then, you know, enough people told me you should go to school to get the foundation. And I thought, well, okay, I'll apply. And if I get in, then I have to go to school basically. But also, you know, I hired a tutor who I was seeing once a week, who was, uh, tutoring me in how to put together a portfolio of Sheridan. I was practicing every single night. I redid my portfolio probably 10 times over to make sure it was the best I could have done. I was, uh, reaching out to old teachers, old students, uh, to get their advice, to get feedback. I was, you know, I was doing everything I possibly could. Um, I was going to life drawing on my own at OCAD, just showing up to their life drawing classes, just this old guy and all the students. So like, you're not, uh, first of all, you were, you were 25, 26. You weren't an old guy. No, no. At this point I was 29, 29, 29. Um, so, you know, I was also doing everything I could because I figured, uh, well, before going to school, I had a moment where uh, after I came home from that studio and uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It was like everything, all of my experiences all came together into like one pinpoint thing. And I told you before where, you know, I'd make something creative and people would be like, oh, cute. That looks great. And I realized in that moment that they were actually serious. <laughs> so like I finally I had like an out of body experience. What was that like? Uh, I don't know how to describe it. I've never had anything like that before or afterwards. It was did like, put, did you put a word to it? Uh, insane. I don't know. It, I remember sitting on my couch and I couldn't even, I had just come home from the studio and I, I, it was like all of my life experiences up until that point, I could like see them as a third person. And I was like, I would tell this person to pursue animation. If I've, I'm looking at their whole life, they've trying to do creative things their whole life, pursued all these things that don't work. They found success when they were super young with claymation. I would tell that person just pursue animation. And it was like, 
me telling myself to do the thing that I was too scared to do. And it was amazing. And I, I felt like I felt super uh, powerful, but also vulnerable. And I just remember I was just bawling. I was just crying. I just couldn't stop crying. <laughs> but, but, but So here's the lesson I, I actually learned from that is you would never have gotten into that step unless you looked outside of yourself and you put one foot in front of the other and you said, yeah, I'm going to go on Instagram. Yeah, I'm going to connect with people. Yeah, I'm going to go create every single day. Yeah, it's going to become a practice. Yeah, it's going to be like, if you didn't actually take action, you probably would have been doing SEO today when uh, nobody cares. Totally, yeah. But I can't even tell you what was compelling me to do those things. I just felt naturally compelled and I couldn't stop. Like it wasn't like I'm, I didn't, I didn't tell myself today I'm going to start a comic that's going to last for a year. Basically, my brother was like, he calls me TJ. TJ, you haven't done art in so long. I don't want anything for Christmas except you have to draw me one thing. It can just be a stupid doodle, but that's what I want you to do. So I did that and then I enjoyed it. So I did some more. And then my friend Allison asked me for it thing so then i did it for like 20 days straight and then i was like why don't we turn this into 30 days and then i was like why don't we turn this into 100 days and then it turned into like i just couldn't stop you know i wasn't i wasn't like i'm gonna do this every day for a year it just started and couldn't stop (laughs) isn't the lesson there that if it feels good and it's not doing harm to anybody that you should probably still do it yeah, like, like, like I could imagine a baker that just can't stop baking. Oh my goodness, uh, who is this person? I love baked goods, so <laughs> <laughs> he's the one. Uh, okay, so, so there you are. You're a Sheridan. Well, first of all, I, I keep on going back, and I, and I talk about this because I'm uh, your audience doesn't know I'm a professor. I teach eighteen year olds every single day of my life, and like I can't imagine sitting in the classroom anymore. What was that like? Like <laughs> I'm with didn't them, and go I back hear their conversations at all. <laughs> but, but like I'm with them, I hear their conversations, and sometimes I feel like we're speaking different languages. Sometimes literally, but not not that's not what I mean. Like yeah. like what was that like? Because you had to like figure out how to fit in yeah but you also were extremely strategic about the fact that you were older than them and you're like i can't i can't take their their track to success i need to come up with my own track for success yeah i mean i had so much anxiety about going to school i remember going for like portfolio review day and obviously i was the oldest person there and everybody was like 16 17 18 from high school and i just remember being like what am i doing <laughs> Um, and also I was very afraid of the fact that, you know, I was out now because the last time I was in school, I was not out. And when I was in the closet, you know, it wasn't okay to be out that, you know, people would make fun of or bully people who were gay all of my growing up. So it was also very scary to people did that at Laurier. I I don't remember that. I don't, I, I don't know at Laurier because I didn't, you know, I was just studying, but like my experience, like in high school and stuff was that, you know, it's not cool to be gay. There was like one kid in our, in our high school. You didn't make the connection that going to an artistic place is. I did not. I was, in fact, I actually asked one of the professors uh, ahead of time if, you know, they had, if they knew that like it would be okay. And they were like, yeah, it's fine. There's tons of, tons of gay people in art school. And I was like, why am I like this? And then he asked, then he asked you out on a date. It was really. Yeah, right. No, no, no. Um, But you know, how do I say this? All of the fears that I always have are always there. And when I make a decision, those fears have more voice and are trying to like stop you from doing that thing because being comfortable and, and, and um, you know, stable 
is safer than having a risk. So every time I make a big jump, all of the fears that I have naturally are have a much bigger voice. But I've learned that when I have bigger fears, that's actually <laughs> a good sign to make a change, but it makes it so much more tough. And then looking back, I'm always like, why was I even afraid of this thing? But yeah, I had to learn. I felt like I was talking to people in a different language. The students were, you know, have different lingo and they know TV. Like I grew up with certain TV shows. They grew up with TV shows I had never seen. Like I had never watched Avatar The Last Airbender until I was in Sheridan. And I was like, I should probably watch this. Everybody's talking about this. Um, yeah, it was tough uh, fitting in, you know. I didn't really feel like I fit in at first, but I was there to study and it ended up being amazing. I super enjoyed being around all of my classmates, made some friends. And the best part was everybody's just creating art all the time, 24 seven. And being in that environment was uh, phenomenal. It was like eat, eating, breathing, sleeping, this thing that was dormant in me for so long and just absolutely loving it and being so inspired by everybody else. Like, you know, Did they teach you anything. The student, my classmates? Yeah. Oh, yeah. a thousand percent. I feel like I learned so much from them, you know, different styles, how to approach problem solving. Yeah. Uh, just everybody's different in what they're good at and kind of, you know, somebody you're doing an assignment and, you know, this person is really good at uh, uh, like layout. So you'd be like, hey, can you help me with this? Or this person's really good at coloring. So you're like, hey, can you give me some advice on this? So, yeah, it was it was super great. I loved it. <laughs> um. And you did something, I think in your first or second year, you started this podcast. <laughs> I started How this podcast the first happen? month I went to school. <laughs> Why? Why? You, 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 were, you decided to, you were a full-time student. You were committed to getting the skills. And then you said, you know what? Podcast. How does that make sense? Uh, I went to Taffy Conference, Toronto Animated Arts Festival International Conference in September. First month, or maybe it was October. First month I went back to school. Because in the business world, you go to conferences, you make connections, and uh, that's how you do things. So I was like, obviously, I'm going to do this for art and animation, too. And I was at the conference, and I felt so far behind everybody else, because everybody's my age, and older or younger or whatever, but they're already fully in their careers. They've been working for 10 years. They went to school when I went to school at Laurier, and I just felt... Like, what am I going to talk to these people about? I don't know anything about animation, really. I don't have anything to show other than my shared in portfolio. But like, that's what is that? So I was talking with one of my my old boss, actually. And he's like, uh, I was like, there's so many amazing people here. And I, I just don't know what to talk about. He's like, I was literally texting him in the conference uh, and during a presentation. He was like, because he ran a podcast. He was like, start a podcast. Just ask the, the speakers of the conference to come on your podcast. So I like, I was like, be, I was like, no, this sounds dumb. I'm not going to do it. And he convinced me by the end of the conference to do it. So I walked up to basically all the speakers afterwards, at least the ones that I thought were interesting. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I said, hey, I'm starting a podcast. Do you want to be on it? And they all said yes. Not all of them followed through, but uh, two people followed through. And uh, I was like, well, I have to figure out how to make a podcast now because I already have a, a meeting <laughs> with these. One of them was actually Fred Seibert, who is a very well-known uh, creator of uh, some of the biggest children's cartoons from the past decade or two decades. So his receptionist set up a meeting with me and I was like, well, I guess I have to figure things out ASAP. So I contacted my old co-worker. He gave me some tips. 
you know, I did Skype, I got a Skype account, whatever, blah, 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 recorded. And then I had a podcast and then that proved so interesting. What's the outcome? So you, you spent hours, like hundreds of hours doing interviews. Of this course. is episode number 200. Oh my goodness. So, hundreds of hours. doing. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> hundreds of hours. Probably weeks. 600, 700 hours, I would say. Uh, plus editing, plus all the other stuff you do, uh, like, plus the SEO work you probably have done, uh, oh et cetera. So hundreds of hours. What, what's been the payback? Like, like, uh, like, what did you get out of this? Oh my goodness. I don't even know where to start. Uh, you know, I've... Uh... <laughs> Uh, personally, I have gained a lot of confidence in what I want to pursue as an animator from the podcast, from talking to people who have jobs that I thought I wanted and just picking their brain and then realizing without having to do that job. Like I went back to Sheridan still having a wallop, still saying I'm never doing stop motion again. Cause it's not a thing. I still had that wallop. It's a different story, but I went to back to Sheridan to become a storyboard artist. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I was applying to Disney and Pixar within the first couple of months of going to Sheridan and putting together my own portfolios for them. And then looking back, I'm like, well, no wonder they didn't hire me. I wasn't meant to be a storyboard artist, but like it took talking to storyboard artists on my podcast uh, to realize it's not for me. And also, you know, I'm not the type of person to thrive in that. So I've learned a lot about pursuing my own, what I want to do through talking to people who have pursued what I want to do or who pursued something that I've realized is not a good fit. But like tons of other stuff, like, you know, job opportunities, um, interview opportunities, making super connections, you know, being able to talk to people and pick their brains that I would never have access to just not having a podcast. Um, yeah, but also, you know, I've created there's a community of people who listen to this and they've made connections too. people have sent me notes being like, hey, I talked to so and so I got a job from this or whatnot. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think podcasting is so genius as a personal branding tool because in a world where the truth is, if somebody comes up to you and says, I want to interview for an hour, you for an hour, who the heck is going to say, no, I don't want to talk about myself. Nobody, well, rarely nobody. somebody says no. <laughs> and I'm sure it's happened, but I'm sure most people have said yes. Yeah. And the outcome of that, you know, really goes back to what you learned at Laurier. It's your network is everything. Totally. It's getting to know people is everything. Creating personal connections is yeah. everything. And, you know, I, would you suggest some of the more recent animation grads or animation students start a podcast to compete with you? hundred percent. Yeah. I don't care yeah. if you compete with me. I stopped doing all the podcast? SEO stuff. I did the SEO stuff for like the first like six months and I just stopped. I was like, I don't, you know, the, the purpose for this for me is to have conversations. If it takes off at this point, I'm happy. If it doesn't, I'm also happy because like, you know, I'm more about the value and the connections and info sharing for the people. I figure the people who want to hear something like this are going to find it. If you type in animation podcast, you're going to come across this podcast. There's literally 200 episodes. It's everywhere. It's on every platform. So I got a website, it's on YouTube, et cetera. So, and also it's pretty niche. Like I just talk about career stuff, but um, yeah, start a podcast, make those connections. You know, I also pitched original TV show ideas and I've been able to pitch Netflix uh, the whole team at Netflix at one point, which was amazing. I, you know, Nickelodeon Cartoon Network because of the podcast, because of people I met on the podcast who have like, oh, you know what? I saw your work because now they know who you are. And they're like, I know somebody who would love to hear this. So, and, and again, to me, the lesson is again, just as you keep on doing one foot in front of the other, try something out. Don't sit down and do nothing and expect things to come to you. Go get them. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like I told you uh, when I was in business, I was always waiting for somebody to like notice me artistically, if that makes sense. And like, give me an opportunity. And it never happened. 10 years went by, never happened. But literally the moment I decided to kickstart my own life, here we are just a couple of years later and I'm <laughs> animating on TV shows, video games, other stuff, et cetera. So, so, so here you are, you um, are you know, one month into Sheridan and you spend some time in Sheridan and you do something for the first time in your life that you've never done before. Yeah. You quit. Oh, you didn't no, yeah, it's so hard finish to your degree. Explain that you finish high school. You finish. You, you went to buy. You finish your Bible land. You you did everything, but you didn't finish the one thing you're actually good at. What? <laughs> you mean animation school? I didn't quit one month in. I quit three years. Well, in. You quit, three but you didn't finish your degree. Like no. like that seems crazy too. That you was quit. a hard decision as well, and I feel like that decision wasn't made by me almost. So, uh, three years in, I'm going to school full time. I'm also working evenings on some stop motion interstitials for a TV show named Let's Go Luna, which is basically a full time job. I basically finish school and then the rest of the evening is just animating and creating stop motion stuff. And then I got a call in like August or something saying there's a stop motion series coming to Toronto in January. Do you want to do you want to animate on it? And so I was like, well, I'm going to be in school. Can I do it part-time? They're like, no, only full-time. And then I was like, sorry, I'm in school. I want to make a thesis film. This is my third year. I'm doing a group film. Like, I don't want to quit school. Like, you know, I'm having a great time, blah, blah, blah. Pandemic hits, obviously, and, and changes that. I wasn't having a good time at school. And I got another call in September and I think again in December. And then finally I said, you know what? School sucks right now. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> Online school is the worst, especially when you're doing creative stuff. I'm already uh, animating. I, I just picked up two more interstitials at this point that would last me till the summer, essentially. So I was like, all right, I'm going to be okay. If I have these interstitials I can animate part-time on and I'm animating full-time on this TV show for the next six months, I think I think that's okay. So I contacted the coordinator at Sheridan and asked if I could like take a break and come back the next year. And he was like, yeah, of course, fill out the paperwork, quit school and, uh, you know, was animating full time on a TV show and coming home and making more animations at night. And that went great. And then from that experience, I just ended up getting more work and decided not to go back to school. <laughs> Do you think you'll ever go back to school? I, I cannot... I mean, I already, I thought I was done at Laurier. Um, <laughs> I told myself I'm never getting a master's degree. There's no point. But I can't imagine going back to school unless there's something really enticing or something I need to know to continue my career, which at this point, uh, I'm okay. But also like, you know, animation technology, et cetera, changes so fast. And I don't do CG animation, which is like a big gap for me in the industry. So there may be an opportunity to go back to school, but at this point I, I'm saying no. So one of the things that's kind of cool about you is that, uh, you know, you don't do CG. You do this extremely niche. Yeah. Extremely, I don't <laughs> want to call it small, but it's not something that I, I assume, you know, most animators do. And again, there you go, going against the grain, taking that 
step and you've been able to find success. Talk about that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's found. I have, how do I say this? I don't even know where to start. So basically, when I quit my business job, I quit a lifestyle, a very nice, comfy lifestyle. You know, I was looking at buying a house. I was thinking about when I'm going to retire, going on the nice vacations every, you know, a certain lifestyle. You were thinking about retiring at 29? Yeah. Well, like not at 29, but like, you know, you're planning your life. You're like, at what point am I going to retire? You know, blah, blah, blah. Like that's, those are the thoughts I was having. And we didn't talk about this at all, but, you know, part of me pursuing something artistic was realizing when I was thinking about what I want to do with my retirement, it would be animation. And so I was like, well, why the fuck? I'm going to be maybe 60 when I retire. I don't know when. And then I start animating and then I'll, it'll take me five years to learn to to be decent at animating. I'll be 65. And then what am I doing? I probably just am too tired to do anything. So I was like, why don't I quit now and learn animation in 30 and then spend 30 years animating and then retire and then be fine. So um, I keep thinking back to, you know, that lifestyle I gave up. And if I gave up that, why would I do something that isn't exactly what excites me? And I don't think there's always going to be times where I'm excited about a project. But so far, I feel very fortunate and lucky to be given opportunities that are exactly what I want to be doing. And what I want to be doing is crafts and hand-drawn animation, which is like the two things I started with, like Corel Draw, like literally using like the mouse to paint characters and uh, sitting alone in my bedroom making paper mache things. I literally just, uh, the Taffy conference came up again, the, the one that I went to, and they asked me to make their signal film, their promo film for their, their festival this year, which is like uh, really amazing because... Like full circle moment. Full circle moment that they they asked me to make that, and I made some paper mache robots. For <laughs> them. My favorite things. One of my favorite things about your life. Uh, whenever I come to your place, I always get excited because you give me a tour of all your sets and stuff. <laughs> and you're like, "Yeah, I went to the Dollarama and I bought this clay, and yeah. I, 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 bought, I went to the crafts." And I'm like, "What the heck is going on here?" Like, like. Your life is crafts, and 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 the cool thing is you've been able to make a living off of that. Yeah, um, can we talk yeah, a little crazy. bit? Crazy, it is. You make a living off of dollar store. Yes, <laughs> that's awesome. Can we talk yeah. a little bit about money? Like, have you been able to replicate salary? Have you like? Are you able to? Do you see yourself being comfortable in this career as time goes on, or or being an artist does that actually complicate things in terms of your lifestyle? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, one thing that business offers is stability benefits, you can stay at a company forever, as long as if you want, you can work your way up if you want. And uh, I don't have those things as an independent animator, I don't work for, as, like, I work for studios, but as a freelancer, like the studio I'm working for now, like, if I want to take a month off and work at another studio, I can just basically say bye and do that. Um, so I don't have, you know, I don't have benefits. I, I work hourly wages, basically. Um, there have been moments where I've, uh, exceeded the salary that I left because I'm working a bunch of different things. A gig will come by that offers very nice pay, but also that's, uh, you know, it, it like even it's like peaks and valleys. It evens out with jobs that aren't great. You know, I was working on a job 
last year that I was, uh, I super miss it. It was amazing. I absolutely loved it. I took it because it was something that I really wanted to do, but it wasn't paying my rent and groceries, basically, if you look at it. So yeah, I would say uh, right now I'm doing fine, which is great. Um, and I'm looking to build more passive income streams in my life to build some stability. So I have that, you know, that business acumen, create a product, market it, whatever. Uh, I've been thinking about how can I do that with the knowledge and skills that I've gained to create more of a passive income so that I can continue to do the projects that excite me. But, you know, um, the animation work world is kind of project to project. It's not like you sell vitamins forever. You have a season of a show or you're needed for something and then it's over. However, people will always want animators and cartoons because all of us like cartoons. Who the hell well, until that? AI takes over. But so that's I, another I thing about... I about to go there. Yeah, go I there. To, like, what, like, you're quite knowledgeable. You're extremely bright, not just good looking, but like, what is you know what does animation look like in five years, ten years, based on AI? Can AI yeah. you could AI go to the dollar store and build that stuff? So uh, I mean, CG animation can already replicate stop motion to the point that sometimes I'm like, is this real or is this CG? Like you know, so. I firmly believe AI will, uh, you know, be writing and producing fully animated shows. It's no, there's no question about it, basically, at this point, from so what, what I've becomes, seen. What becomes the animator's role? What becomes your role? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so like... some piece of this value chain. I, well, yeah, so I, I mean, this is a bigger discussion, but for me specifically, you know, I'm pursuing two of the oldest animation forms that for some reason are still existing because people want that very specific old school, but in a modern way, look that only can be done by somebody with that's pursuing that. Like, you know, stop motion is the first ever form of animation. You can go all the way back to like 1910 where people were doing it and it's still existing and thriving because it's such a niche form and it excites people and it's something that's still different and you can have a very specific artistic vision. Of course, you can replicate a stop motion film in CG or potentially in the future AI, but it won't have the same appreciation where you can see, you know, half of stop motion is seeing behind the scenes and seeing somebody make this and coming to my apartment and seeing crafts like, you know, that's exciting to people and like hand-drawn animation, which I'm working on right now is exciting because it's hand-drawn and it's it's got the imperfections of humanity and, uh, you know, there's a lot of labor intensity in it and et cetera, et cetera. So for me, I'm not too worried because like I said before, I'm pursuing things that excite me. And if I'm not, I should just go back to business because I already have experience there. I already know what it can take. And if I'm not pursuing the things I want to do, then why am I doing this? Uh, so uh, passive income stream tours of terry's apartment yeah i should church. Go. Go so you come around. over it'll be a ten dollar fee <laughs> oh, can i get the free tour is okay. there a free option yeah but uh you only get that once <laughs> i think i've exceeded that so what happens next what, what projects are you working on what's terry the animator gonna do next is he taking over the world i mean i'm just sitting in my 
apartment <laughs> just crafting and hand drawing all day so I'm happy um yeah what's next for me this is constantly on my mind right now so I still so I'm two years out of school and I still am gaining a... you're two years out of being an animation school dropout yes I want to be clear yeah two years out of dropping out of school thank you and I still feel I'm gaining I'm gaining a ton of experience all the time and um I still I kind of like the first year I was like, I really feel like an incubating egg right now and I haven't hatched yet. And this year I feel like I'm starting to put some cracks in that egg. And I kind of have this, I feel it's like welling up building of, I need to make a decision maybe in the next year of what I want to do. And is that start my own studio? Is that, you know, um, try to become a director of something? Is that building uh, something for myself that like a video game or trying to get a TV show. I mean, I'm already trying to get a TV show off the ground, but like, you know, really taking it seriously, starting a Kickstarter, you know, getting a producer. Like, so I don't know exactly what that is. A lot of it is leaning towards a studio. I've been chatting with some people already. I've been chatting with many people about many different opportunities, but it's more or less like, what am I going to be pursuing? So, you know, I'm working on this video game that I have right now, which is amazing. I love it. I can't talk about it, obviously, but because uh, it's not out. But it's super fun. It's really cool. I feel extremely fortunate to be working on it. There's some really cool animators that I'm learning a ton from. And uh, but that's not forever either. You know, that's potentially wrapping up at the end of this year. Um, so what's next for me? I'm I don't know. I can't say. You know, I always ask this question to everybody I interview, uh, just to see, you know, where they're at in their journey and what they're going towards. And for me, all I know is that, you know, I have this post on my Instagram. There's like a bunch of stories that I that you can are saved that basically a reminder of like why I'm doing this, why I'm here. You know, the purpose is that I want to be creating magic and I want to feel excited and I want to give people that sense of excitement and magic in the work that I do. And I think for me right now, as long as I'm doing that, I know it's going to be a good Terry time and I'm happy about what's happening. Could you imagine a world where Terry isn't animating for a living? Yeah, I think he would be very um, torn about why he's doing things. I already felt like that mm -hmm. when I was in business and I did a lot of soul searching. So are you addicted? Like, is there no way out of this? This is it. I don't know. I think about this sometimes because I literally animate all day. I have side projects I work on at night. I'm part of an artist collab that doing another thing. I run a podcast. I, I only like on social media, I only follow and look at animations and I watch anime. I was just at an animation fest. So like, <laughs> and he doesn't see his friends enough. <laughs> oh, okay. Sheldon. Little dog. Um, yeah. And I think about, you know, I am, I have a development uh, option agreement for this silly duck wizard with this studio uh in in montreal and we're like shopping that around so like you know all i do is eat sleep animation <laughs> i think i think you know i think this is slowing down for me a bit too i think a lot of it had to do with uh that that wall that i had up for you know 15 16 years and then breaking that down and like when i went to sheridan i was doing nothing I, my hours were like 10 hour days minimum just working on animations being excited about trying something Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, because I couldn't get enough of it, and I wanted to also learn as much as I could as fast as I could because you know I'm I was thirty and I'm competing in the industry with people who are half not half but almost half my age. Yeah. So because <laughs> 
And, you know, that was a worry for me as well. You know, when I'm applying to studios or making connections, are people going to care that I'm this old? Literally nobody cared. And in fact, I got opportunities that wouldn't have been given to me because of my age and that I had a business acumen and the maturity and responsibility. In fact, I was told that for this video game, for instance, you know, it came through a random connection. Um, but it was because I am more mature than, you know, the average person out of school or whatever. So yeah, it ended up being a super, the business and the life experience ended up being a super asset to me in these terms. But you know, I do feel that I am slowing down a bit and I'm trying to build more of a well-rounded Terry person. For instance, you know, I this last year I became part of the Big Brother Big Sister program to try to give back to my community a little bit. If you don't know, basically um, it's a partnership, it's a mentor partner match with a kid in your community and you meet with them once a week and you just hang out to have a grounding um experience where you can, you know, build some trust and normalize, you know, just hanging out with, with somebody. So, you know, my little, he's actually uh, super interested in crafts and stuff too. So we, we are making a cosplay together right now, which is fun. Um, yeah. So stuff like that. And like spending more time with my friends and family, because, you know, school was a giant suck where I didn't see anybody at all. So I am trying to build more of a well-rounded base for myself as well. So <laughs> You sound like you're like you don't believe what you're saying. I, <laughs> what do you mean? I don't know. I'm just looking at you, and I'm hearing that it's almost like it's it's an aspirational thing, as opposed to an actual thing. What do you? Well, think? I, no, it is. You know, I'm I'm trying to build more of a well-rounded. Like I just got a Nintendo Switch actually, so I could spend more time. Invite me over. All right, I'm playing Breath of the Wild right now. I don't uh, know what that is. I know Mario Party. That's it. It's, all right, we can play Mario Party. Um, it's Zelda, but I'm, I'm tr so that I have more downtime where I'm not just doing animation projects, uh, which is nice. You know, I'm cooking more often, et cetera, like <laughs> getting a, getting a more of a base because, you know, you, I don't want to burn out and I want to also, you know, enjoy all aspects of my life. I mentioned before, you know, animation is one thing. Yeah. Business was one thing that I had to figure out and build that grounding of myself. And animation was another thing that I had to over-index on for a while to figure that out for myself. And now I'm trying to incorporate more well-roundedness in my life. I love that. So I want you to go back to where we started. Oh, no. That kid. Yeah. That kid in KW. You, you're, what's, you're from St. Jacob's, no? Waterloo. Well, you're, are you, oh, you're born and raised in Waterloo? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that kid in Waterloo, looking at your life now, what would he tell you? What would that kid tell me? Yeah. Like, would he, would he be in awe? Like, what would his reaction be to your life? Oh, goodness. I think I think he would want me to do more, actually. Because, you know, when I was a little kid, I wanted to direct movies. I had this, like, weird fantasy of appearing on Oprah for the paper mache's I was doing. Like, you know, I think that little kid would be like, great, you're doing exactly what I'm doing now. <laughs> but, like, can you... Like, go do more, go harder. Like, you know, because how do I explain this? Um, I, I still want to do something super impactful for a lot of people. You know, I want to create, I want to create something that has an impact on society or, or just, you know, uh, a whole generation of kids that would be absolutely phenomenal like the best thing i could ever do in my life 
And right now, you know, I'm I'm working on things that are really, really cool, but they're just, they're not just, they're really cool and they're for people and it's amazing, uh, but I'm getting more self-fulfillment in doing them myself, for myself, if that makes sense. Like, I'm just super happy to be crafting and hand-drawing and blah, blah, blah. And I feel like, oh, this is so cool for myself. I don't feel like I'm creating that thing that I, that little Terry felt like he was meant to do, where I'm creating something to give to the next generation of kids or animators or something. And I, I feel good about this podcast because I, it is, it is a way that I'm giving back, but it also has a lot of self-fulfillment in it. So there's a thing that I don't know what it is yet that I'm, I feel bound to create and figure out at some point. But like I said before, I still feel like I'm just putting some cracks in that egg uh of, of where i'm at in that stage so i think that's what little terry would be is like it, he'd be like you're just doing what i'm doing now <laughs> is it possible that that uh, you know, i'm going to sound like a very individualistic person is it possible that the best way to help the world is actually to make sure you're the happiest terry you could be oh 100 yeah i really think that you know and that's part of um deciding to have a little now you know i don't have a family but um because you know i wanted to give back and i felt like i was in a good enough space in my life where I could, you know, encourage somebody else to be the best themselves. So that's why I started doing this as well. So a hundred percent. Yes. But I, like I said, the egg it's, I'm still figuring things out for myself. I'm still gaining a lot of skills and experience. I'm still, you know, um, on that path, uh, to do something big, I think. Final question. Oh, we heard what baby Terry told you. What would you tell baby Terry, little Terry? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. I think, I think the overall message in my life and even with like the things that I, the TV shows that I'm pitching and stuff, it's just, everything's going to be okay. You know, little Terry had a lot to deal with constantly and not, you know, everybody has their own struggles. I had my own struggles. I'm not discounting other people's or my own, but like, it was a lot for me to deal with, you know, all the time being, you know, closeted and very religious and also, you know, pursuing the independence thing and not having support from my family and just, you know, dealing with all the stresses and anxieties and unsureties and hardships and emotional times and just knowing that everything's going to be okay and you're on the right path, <laughs> I guess. I love that. Um, Terry, thank you so much for talking to me. Oh, um, I learned a lot about you. Do you have any final thoughts? What did you learn about me that you didn't know before? Um, that's none of your business. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I learned a lot about you because look, you know, I adore you. I think you're a fantastic person, but we very rarely have an hour and a half, almost an hour 45 to sit down or whatever it is. And actually just talk and it's when you are vulnerable as you were able to be right now and you're willing to like give of yourself to me that's when you as the best hairy individual has the ability to help the world and i and i truly believe you are helping the world with what you're doing and you're helping yourself um and i'm I've, i'm so proud of you i think you're fantastic you know that Oh, well, thanks, Sheldon. You know, that means a, a really, that means a lot to me. And it I feel really good about that. And just thank you for saying that. That feels so nice. Terry, wrap this podcast up. Okay. Um, final thing 
for me, at least I need to like go back to what my original goals are every once in a while to make sure I'm on the right track, because it's very easy to reach a point of familiarity and stagnation and just stay in that comfort zone. But the only way that I've been able to push myself to greater things is to remember why I'm here. But that's all that I have to share, I guess. So thank you so much, Sheldon, for joining me on the podcast. You did an absolutely wonderful job interviewing me. And uh, I hope I hope those listening enjoyed this as well. <laughs> thank you, Terry. I had a lot of fun. Thank you. Uh-huh. All right. Well, that's a wrap. And if you're listening and you want to reach out or follow me, I feel like <laughs> you already know how to do that. You can check out my Instagram or my website, which I'll include in the description of this chat as always. And that's all for now. So thank you so much for listening. Okay, bye. The music for this podcast was composed by Willem Mendo and the graphics by Luhan Wang. I encourage you to look them up if you've enjoyed their work.